everybody, and welcome to Hope in the Pain. My name is Kim Peek, and I'm so glad you've joined today. Um, This podcast is all about encouraging people that are dealing with pain, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, or uh, mental. You know, there's just a lot we can do to support each other on this journey. And today we have somebody to also support us on the journey, and that is Pastor Doug Peek, who is also my husband. Hello, honey. Well, hello, everybody. It's so good to join you on your show. On my show. You're the center of attention. Oh, well, not today. You are, because we want to hear from you. Oh, I'm here to build you up. Okay, okay, like you do every day. Okay, great. Well, I wanted to invite Doug on today, because Doug has been a pastor for how long now? 30? Well, it started. I, I started in June of 1987 in a full-time ministry. Yeah. So I don't know. What is that? 35, 38 years? Yeah, that's a long time. It's a long time. That's a long time. So, okay. So you've had a lot of experience over those years um, counseling with people mm-hmm. um, for all sorts of reasons. So yes. can you give us just a um, an example of... Uh, or a couple of examples of the types of people that you have counseled as they have dealt with pain. Well, I think that you uh, described it accurately. People have various levels of pain, and they also have pain from different areas. I think people have physical pain, and uh, so we've counseled people who struggle with physical pain. We have people who have kind of mental uh, anguish, which is different. I think the most severe pain that people deal with is emotional pain. It's, it's a psychological uh, phenomena that I would say is rooted in spiritual issues because you have a soul. And uh, when your soul you is... Let me stop you there. What do you mean by that? Can you, yeah, expound on that? Well, <clears throat> in psychology, it's really interesting is they approach psychi- log- or psychological issues like physicists approach gravity. That is, is that physicists approach gravity in that gravity affects everything. I mean, it really does. Uh, Einstein's theory of relativity is basically based on gravity. And it influences everything. It is the constant. You have to deal with it. It it affects everything. However, physicists have no idea where gravity comes from. (laughs) They don't know. They don't. If you were to ask a physicist, tell me, why why is there gravity? Why? They can't answer. They don't okay, know. and so how do you relate that then back to pain? Well, the issue is, is that psychological pain is real, and it's the most painful thing often that you struggle with because, you, you know, sometimes it takes a while to get into it, and then how do you resolve it? Extremely difficult. Physical pain influences you emotionally and psychologically as well, but all of the, your psychological pain... You know, psychologists, psychiatrists can tell you, oh, you have it. Uh, It affects everything. But if you were to say, why? Why do I have it? They struggle answering that question because they don't necessarily believe you have a soul. Okay. Well, and Mm -hmm. and we believe that we have a soul. Well, yeah. I mean, here's the bottom line. Everybody believes they have a soul. Yeah. So You can deny you have a soul, but everybody lives pragmatically like they have a soul. Pragmatically, I like how you say that because here on the podcast, Hope in the Pain, really what we deal with uh, are not so much the uh, 
theoretical issues, right? The mm-hmm. the theories Correct. about things, but really the everyday issues, the hard day-to-day struggle issues, right? That we're dealing with as we deal with any mm-hmm. kind of pain. Yes. So um, I kind of want to focus on that now. Okay. And I want to talk about, or I want you to talk about rather, oh as, as you've had, you know, 30 years of experience encouraging people working with people, mm-hmm. what um, are some of the ways that you see people deal with pain, both positives and negatives? Well, I think whether it's emotional, psychological, or physical, the first thing that everybody does is they medicate their pain. Mm. Everybody medicates. And you medicate in some form or another. Uh, some people withdraw into themselves and they isolate, which is a form of medicating, you know. Uh, some people drink. Uh, some people will get prescription drugs. Some people use illegal drugs. Uh, doesn't matter. We all medicate our pain, and that makes sense. Uh, I think the second thing, though, is that we then begin to rely on, and I would say the Bible uses the term worship. And, you know, worship is basically a ongoing habitual thing that you do to orient your life. And when you're suffering pain, whatever relieves that pain, you begin to worship. And that is, is that you start building your life around that thing. Like you, you build your life around, you know, if they, if they're prescribing you drugs, right? Uh, I I just had a, a couple of elders that had their knees replaced in our church. And, uh, you know, that surgery is pretty painful. And they were, they all talk about how you're only allowed to take, you know, a certain number of pain pills and you can only take them every so many hours. And they say, boy, that last hour gets really tough. (laughs) So what are they doing? They're orienting around when they're allowed to take that pill. And that is, that I think is axiomatic as a universal truth, regardless of what you're going through, you start to orient your schedule and everything about you around medicating your pain. So you, if you're an alcoholic, it's like, well, when can I start drinking? Right. If you're taking illegal drugs, when can I get them and and use them? If they're prescription drugs, what do you do? You're following that. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. think about with, with my own situation, how I am managing my pain. Correct. And I always think about it as, you know, when you watch uh, kind of cable news, Mm -hmm. they've got the cable news, but what do they have along the bottom of the screen? Yeah. They have that little Chiron. Yeah. Or Chiron. Yeah. Yeah. Chiron running across that They have headlines or the stock numbers or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And I always think about myself like that, that I'm living like the big screen, but I have a Chiron running that is me managing everything that um, I'm doing or, or whatever I'm focused on. It's always in the background. Yeah. It's always in that background Mm -hmm. to manage. So my pain doesn't get out of control. Hopefully, And I think that that has a tremendous impact on people across the board. Like for instance, if you rely on isolation, you know, when you're in pain, then you're, whatever it is, it helps medicate your pain. You do more of, that's just the way we are. I think the second thing that we do though, is we don't want people to see us at all. We don't want to interact with people. We don't want to talk to when people. When we're at our worst. Yeah. When I'm feeling yeah. the worst, I, I don't want to, uh, like really have a lot, you know, even talk to people sometime. I mean, number right. one, it's too hard physically, mm-hmm. but number two, we don't want to see people. We don't, I don't want people to see me at my worst. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, here on this podcast, you tell people what's going on. and But what I've noticed, even with your own children and your own immediate family, I, I think the only two people that have ever really seen you, what you deal with, is me and your mom. Well, that's, that's you, probably you don't true. want at the yeah. worst. Yeah, and part of that is because, you know, you're trying to live selflessly, right? So when your kids come over, you're like... I deal with this 24-7. I, I don't want to talk about it with my kids. Well, exactly. I want to know, well, what are you, what's going on with you? Right. So you, you put your best foot mm-hmm. forward. You put on the face to, to be there for them. But the downside of that is that what most, most, most people don't realize is that people dealing with pain rarely allow anybody to see the full extent of what they're dealing with. So you have to take that into account, I think. So, because people for a lot selfless reasons, you know, they're not, they don't want to be a burden. They don't want to be wearing on people. So they deal with it that way. But that also, the downside of that causes you to isolate and be more alone, which doesn't help psychologically or emotionally deal with what you're going through. You know, one thing I want to stop you on right here is I've heard you say a few times, isolate. Mm-hmm. So it, it, is that what you see as one of the uh, most destructive things we can do um, or the hardest thing we can put ourselves through is isolation? Because you've said that a few times. Yeah, I, I, I think that what happens is that when people are in pain, they isolate. And when you isolate too long, right, you, you might isolate for recovery over something like, let's say, you lose, you have a tremendous emotional and psychological pain because you lost a child in a car wreck or a loved one is lost, right? And they pass away. Well, there's a period of mourning, right? Well, so there's going to be a lot of isolation. Well, if uh, two years later you're isolating and you don't interact with anybody, that's a problem. And the reason why is because what you're actually doing is you're quarantining yourself, okay? And you're, you're quarantining, and the whole purpose of a quarantine is that I don't want what I have, like let's say I have a virus, infecting anybody else. So I'm going to lock myself off. And what's really fascinating is I don't think a lot of people, when they're actually in the midst of dealing with pain, realize that the temptation to quarantine yourself is really high. I want to lock myself off so I don't infect anybody else with my bad mood or my misery or my depression. And so you isolate. And what happens is you're not isolating anymore for recovery. You're in quarantine. And when you're in quarantine, that's really bad. Okay, so let's talk about... How are some ways that you've seen people get out of that isolation or just that you know um, is is helpful and positive to get out of that isolation? Well, I think that uh, the first thing that you have to do is you have to, uh, which is really interesting, but I think you really have to diagnose at a really deep level the pain you're dealing with, okay, and how it impacts you. Uh when you're in pain, the problem is, is it's very, very difficult to think clearly and to be um, <clears throat> introspective. That's it's extremely true. difficult yep. because all you're like, make it go away. It's just, it's just, I mean, that's all you see, right? It's like putting on uh, uh, red sunglasses, you know, red lenses. All you see is red. Well, right? and there's a certain amount of pain you get to that is hard to focus on. And it's yeah. literally hard to focus on 
On anything. On anything. You can't do anything. You can't walk. And I mean, and and that happens physically. Exactly. You're trying to survive. You got physical pain, and it could be emotional. Mm -hmm. Some people could be psychological, and I I differentiate between those two because sometimes the psychological pain that we're stuck in, even though it has an emotional manifestation in our lives, and a physical one like Mm -hmm. you quit eating, you lose your appetite, lose weight, or you just can't control your appetite anymore. You eat, overeat, and gain huge amounts of weight. Um, that's a physical manifestation of the emotional uh, presentation of a psychological problem. And that is, is that the psychological pr- pain is that you are incongruent in how you perceive yourself and the way you're thinking. Okay. So it's illogical or irrational, but we glob onto that. What's really interesting is if you have a, like a physical painful diagnosis, like let's say somebody gets in a car wreck and they, they get better, but they, they have massive pain what that does is that that increases their potential for psychological pain because they get into irrational loops about it Mm -hmm. and so it's really kind of interesting that way but what i have found is that the way to deal with that obviously is you have to diagnose at a deeper level and you have to say okay I, i was in a car wreck and now i have this physical pain that i deal with each and every day and you know what that does that that makes me think that because my role has changed, my life has no value. So that's that's a, me- a psychological assessment, right? My life has no value. And then because my I feel or believe this this truth, my life has no value, it personifies or presents itself as depression, right? A loss of hopelessness, which then makes the pain that you suffer worse. Well... As you're talking about this, it's like it's all a vicious it's a loop. cycle. It's a vicious cycle. Loop. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've noticed, like for instance, in your case, you know, I mean, you'll be doing really, really, really bad, and you can't seem to get better. You know, um, you you struggle with walking. You struggle with a lot. It's just so painful, and all these things going on. And then one of the kids will come over, and they'll sit down. They'll start talking to you, or one of your really good friends will will talk to you. And what that does is that lifts your spirits, right? It does. Yeah. And then that. That changes your emotional makeup, and then the pain isn't as bad. For a little bit. I mean, I couldn't sustain that necessarily based on just feeling good about talking to a friend or family member, but it's like a little jolt for a little bit. Yeah, it's a little jolt for a little bit, and so that's why I think that relationships are critically important, uh, good friendships, uh, resisting the, 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 the temptation to quarantine yourself. And so, and because and, uh, suicidal ideation goes through the roof when you're isolated and quarantining yourself, right. especially if you're in a lot well, of pain. we saw that with COVID. Yeah. I mean, just Off not even talking about pain specifically, just yeah. the quarantining. Yes, it was the, the quarantining and the pandemic and the lockdowns are the worst decisions ever made. Worst decisions ever made. And particularly for children. Tell me how you really feel about it. Well, I didn't have any feeling one way or the other at the time. I was agnostic, right? Because we just didn't know. Right. You know, and I I think anybody in the midst of it at the time who looks back and says, well, I would have done blah, blah, blah. Okay, well. uh, Would you really? Would you really? I mean, the bottom line is we just didn't know. For a little while. Right, for quite a while. But now, three years later, we can look back and we see the data. And now, now anybody who says we need more lockdowns and stuff, those people are idiots. Sorry, I'm, that's a salty pastor talk. Uh, this you're, is hope for the pain. This yeah, is not salty pastor talk. Podcast, Sorry. So. Um, th- those people are just absolutely rational. 
Okay. Now, back back to what you're talking about is that the way in which we deal with our pain is that you've got to analyze it at a deep level and you got to figure out, okay, because I'm going to have an emotional response, a psychological response, a spiritual response, and a physical response. And you've got to be able to figure out how to unravel those because only so, then you will see how each one loops. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say, which is interesting, is whatever kind of pain maybe we have to Correct. start with, it ends up touching these different areas of All life. areas of your life. Okay. So go ahead. Well, I, and I think that, so that's why you've got to be able to know how my physical pain affects me psychologically and then how that makes me depressed. And then that makes me, you know, have this. So what you do is that's why having other people in your life, because spiritual, psychological, and emotional pain is highly influenced by your relationships. Okay. Because I was starting to, to say, this is all overwhelming when you look at it affecting all these different parts oh, yeah. of our life. But what I hear you saying mm -hmm. is that relationships are a huge, crucial need for us in dealing with all these types of pain. Correct. And, and, and you know, and I think the, the hard part about all of it is... Uh, when the psychological pain in the physical pain and there's nothing you can do about it what what do you do then you know that and so there's examples of people that you know I've had to meet with over the years and and try to encourage them through that and we've kind of done use a different approach so yeah i was going to ask you if you could kind of share a couple of stories maybe because i think stories really help us understand all this that you've said yeah, well, uh, over the years, obviously, I've done a lot of funerals for a lot of people who died prematurely, and those are always really difficult. And when you start out, you don't know what to say. You don't know how to minister to people. You know, your goal and your job is to comfort them and give them hope. I mean, that's the job mm -hmm. or the goal. How do I comfort and give hope? Can I do that? You know, I've had to do funerals for people who've committed suicide. I've had to do funerals for young moms or young fathers, you know, with families or married little tiny kids dying of can They died of cancer. I've had, yeah. you know, I've had these. And so the thing is, you've is that. So um, I was always struck also by uh, you've done a f few funerals for folks that they had just retired and they had all these plans with their spouse. Right. Yeah. And, and then something happened and. Yeah. They die three weeks after they retire, yeah. So anyway, there's there's lots of examples of pain and suffering, mm -hmm. you know, pain. Mm -hmm. And I think, that, you know, I think the, the last step, which is the hardest step of all, is the, the acceptance, you know. Uh, like, I, I for, for instance, there was a young man. He's probably 30 years old. He was married. He had two little boys. He, they were very young, both under four, I think, four or five years old. He's very well-loved basketball coach here in town. And what's interesting is I had a long relationship with these, this, this couple is that I knew them when they were dating, kind of helped them a little bit there. And then I did their wedding, you know, and we did a lot of premarital counseling for that. And then after they got married, you know, and then I, I dedicated their, their kids when they were born. And then he, uh, and because they had moved, they started going to another church. Oh, way out west. Mm -hmm. And so it was just fine. You know, oh, that's great. Yeah, you do that. So what happened was he gets this really bad cancer and he's mm -hmm. dying and he's struggling. 
I mean, he is really in a bad spot, psychologically, spiritually, and emotionally. He's got all this pain from the treatment in his life, but it was really spiritual and psychological. And so his wife reached out to me and said, would you talk to him? He's not doing well. I said, sure. So he comes in and he talks to me. He's sitting there and he's going, you know, I'm in this church and we're praying for my healing and I don't see any improvement. They're praying for my healing. And... And he goes, I just don't, you know, I don't, what, what is God doing? And, da, 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 da. and he's just going on and on. I could just see this psychological, spiritual torment that this guy is in. Right. And so he goes, I, he goes, why is this, why is this happening? And why can't I, you know, why can't I deal with this? And da, 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 da. And I, this is what I told him. I just said right there, I said, well, it's because you haven't accepted the fact that you're already dead. Whoa. And he looked up at me and he goes, what? I go, bro, you're dead. We're all dead. We think that, well, because it's not time yet, it's unfair. But time is irrelevant in God's economy. It's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. You enjoy the time you have, but you're already dead. Until you accept the fact that you're dead, you're not going to be able, whether you live or die, this will be pure misery for you. And he said to me, he said to me, he goes, no one's ever told me that. You know, everybody was so hopeful and, oh, God's going to heal you. He goes, no one's ever said that to me. And so we spent some more time, kind of chewed on it. Then we prayed, went back home, and his... uh, he, wrote, he, he called me and said, hey, I really appreciate that. Some of his friends kind of said to me, I don't know what you said to him, but man, he, he, his, whole life, his whole demeanor has changed. And then he ended up dying yeah. from this cancer. And he asked me to do the funeral, mm-hmm. you know, even though they're at another church. And so at the funeral, his wife said, I don't know what you guys talked about, but there was a change in him. And he was at complete peace until the moment he died. And so I think, I think we have expectations about pain and suffering, mm-hmm. and I know I do. I, I do. don't like it. <laughs> I want it to go away. But C.S. Lewis said it best is that, you know, God whispers when things are good, but he screams at us in our pain. Because what, what pain does is it takes away, it shreds. All those defenses that you've built up, those and psychological expect- and, and expectations, and expectations, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, th- so that's one example of of that happening. Is is that you know trying to get people to accept what is true? And that's what's that's what's critical. What is true? And the truth is, is that because Adam and Eve invited evil into this world, the physical body dies until we get a new body. So the last thing I want to ask you to do is, you know, wrap all that up. You Mm -hmm. talked about how lots of different kinds of pain. Isolation is one of the worst things we deal with, and it kind of touches on all these different types of pain we've talked about. You talked about ways that isolation is destructive. Mm -hmm. You've talked about how relationships are crucial to us getting out of isolation. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, then you talked about a story about a young man. um, Mm -hmm. Our need to accept the reality of our situation. Yeah. And so what I want to ask you to do, uh, last thing, 
We always end with words of hope here words on hope. hope in the pain. Yes. So I want to ask you just to spend a couple minutes wrapping us up, giving us some words of hope. Well, Dr. Peter Kraft makes this point that people who live the best lives and people who are the most influential have the greatest impact on this earthly life are people who are the most heavenly minded. It is interesting. Uh, I think C.S. Lewis talked about it this way. He says, if your goal is to be happy in this life and then to be happy in the next, which I can't quite remember how he phrases it, but his point is, is if you want to be good in your soul and good for eternity, but also uh, have goodness here, he goes, if you just want goodness here, you, you won't have goodness here and you won't have a good eternity. He says, but if you go for the brass ring, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, the goodness here is thrown in. And Jesus said it this way, much more eloquently than I, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things shall be added unto you. So it's the righteousness of the kingdom of God that brings us hope in this life. Many, many people, I've, I've been in the room many, many, many times when people died, mm-hmm. you know, when they took their last breath. It's, it's a sacred moment. It's not many people in America can say that I was in a room with a person when they took their last breath, but I can say I've been there many, many times as a pastor. On a side note, that's one of the reasons why I think that young pastors struggle so much because even they're isolated from that ever since HIPAA came out and stuff like that. It, and COVID. I and mean, COVID. for a while, people, you, yeah. you as a pastor couldn't even go visit. Yeah, I couldn't see people. They wouldn't even let me out in the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, it was crazy. But I've seen a lot of people take their last breath. And so what you realize in that moment that's sacred is some people are heavenly minded and some are filled with fear. And people who are filled with fear is, it's a difficult difficult transition but it's inevitable so if you're gonna make that transition don't be afraid and that means be as heavenly minded as you can I I remember one time many many years ago where this elderly woman she says I've lived a long and happy life I just want to go home and she she kind of just fell asleep and it was like oh that's it (laughs) oh my goodness um, and then I've seen people, you know, kind of fight it. Oh boy, yeah, they'll get the death rattle, and it'll go on for hours and hours. And you know, the death rattle is just so unnerving. I, you know, I, you know, nurses, doctors, they leave the room because they don't want to be there and listen to that. Mm-hmm. And and for family members, it's just, it's just, torture it's probably. torture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll go on and on. But there's some people that are heavenly minded, and they just go to sleep. You know. I remember one situation where I wasn't in the room, but a guy that I was working with in a room with a person that was dying, and they said about 15, 20 minutes before uh, she passed away, she said, I see him. I can see him. Wow. You know, she goes, I I can see him. I want to go. And she was like talking to her family but she was in a different place when she was talking she's saying you know let me go i want to go and um so one of the things that we do in those situations what i do is when people are kind of in those last hours is i I say i want each of you to go around 
and I want you to love on your mom or your dad or your grandpa or whatever. I want you to lean down. I want you to give them a kiss on their forehead, and I want you to say to them, it's okay to go home now. I release you. And it's interesting when the family members gather around, they say that prayer and they all say that to that grandpa or grandma or mom or dad or whatever, is there's a peace and a a calmness that comes over the room. It's supernatural in nature. And so I know that you're suffering pain. And I know that whoever's listening to this is struggling with that on a daily basis. And here's the bottom line is that it'll either get better and go away. Either it will stay the same and not get better, and so you just have to manage the best you can. Or number three, it's going to get worse, and it'll eventually take your earthly life. In all three of those, the fact remains that those who are the most heavenly-minded are the people who have the most hope in the midst of their pain.